Dear friends, this morning uh, I want to spend some time talking on uh, our own practice, especially on uh, mindfulness. We all have been practicing mindfulness for some time, and some of you are quite uh, familiar with uh, with this uh, meditation some of you may have some many different views regarding uh, mindfulness some even might not know what it is it is difficult to explain It is just like, uh, although we have been practicing meditation for a long period of time, sometimes when we, try to, when we try to explain it to somebody, we find it very difficult. We don't know where to begin with. It is just like uh, a centipede that has so many feet if you ask him which foot he puts forward first when he walks, he will get confused <laughs> because he has so many feet. <laughs> In mindfulness uh, practice, there are so many things involved. And therefore, it is difficult to sort out, when, especially when we try to explain it to somebody. With this note, let me begin with uh, one of the aspects of mindfulness. Mindfulness uh, has many components. Uh, so one of the main components of mindfulness is uh, attention. If we do not pay attention, we don't know anything. By paying attention only, can we understand things. Even certain things happening all the time. Unless we pay attention, we don't know what is happening. For instance, we mentioned this morning, when we breathe in and out, so many things happen to our breath. How much of them do we know? We don't know very much about our own breath. Why? Because we always don't pay attention to the breath. We take everything for granted. And therefore, our understanding of the phenomenon of breathing is very poor. So we begin to pay attention to the breath itself. When we pay attention, we have to pay not simple, superficial, ordinary attention. 
that even uh, we, not only human, even animals can have that kind of attention. For instance, when a cat wants to catch a mouse, he has to pay total attention to the movement of the rat or the mouse so that he can catch him. That also is an attention, but that is not right attention. Why it is not right attention? Because the cat has greed to catch the mouse. <laughs> so, if the attention is uh, inflicted, obsessed with greed, then we don't see what is there. We will have a superficial attention. You can bring any number of examples to see superficial attention. So we want to learn to pay right attention, correct attention. Right attention is the attention without assumption, presumption, preconceived notions, greed, hatred, or delusion. That's the right attention. When we pay right attention, we don't make any judgment. Why? The mind is not affected at that moment with greed, hatred, delusion, presumption, assumptions, and so forth. We simply want to pay attention to what is happening. With regard to our breathing, we do the same thing. We start with the breath to develop our right attention. Perhaps if we pay attention to something outside other than that, it is still possible for us to have, for us not to have right attention. And therefore we pay start with paying attention to our own breathing. Simply to note, when I say note, I am I'm very particular about this word because uh, I don't mean verbalizing, conceptualizing, repeating words. I mean simply become aware of what is happening with total attention. So when we pay total attention to our breathing, we can uncover things that we have not known before. We already know long inhaling, long exhaling and so forth. This is very first superficial uh, occurrence of our 
breathing. Besides that, there are some deep, deeper things happening to our breath. One has to pay, one has to breathe, paying total attention to the breath, to notice what else is there in the breath. We are, breath has a beginning. Breath has a middle, it has an end. Each inhaling has a beginning, middle and end. Each exhaling has a beginning, middle and end. One has to pay total attention to see this. This is the cycle. If we pay total attention to the breath, seeing the beginning, middle and end of each inhaling and exhaling, plus very brief pause between inhaling and exhaling, make the total cycle of breathing. And if we keep paying attention to the total cycle of breathing, mind will remain on the breath, and become fully aware of what is happening to the breath. The fact that it has the beginning, middle and end, and repeat itself, is a very unmistakable indication that the breath is impermanent. And there is no confusion because two of these never happen together. For instance, beginning of inhaling will never confuse with beginning of exhaling. Middle of inhaling would never confuse with the middle of exhaling. End of inhaling would never confuse with the end of exhaling. So they all repeat one after the other in a regular, consistent uh, succession. Only when we pay total attention, we can see this. Pay mindful attention. Mindful attention is the attention without greed, hatred and delusion. And then we see some other things happen when we breathe in and out. What other things happens? When the lungs are full, as when we breathe in, when the lungs are full, there is a very tiny degree of tension in our lungs. Because the lungs cannot hold breath too long it cannot expand to any more. It reaches its limit, its capacity. And then, if you keep pushing breath in, we experience tension. Then, we breathe out. As we breathe out, that tension is slowly released. 
When the tension is released, no more breath in our lungs, then we experience a degree of anxiety for not having breath in our lungs. When we breathe in again, that anxiety fades away. The tension in our lungs and the anxiety in our lungs both are what we call unsatisfactory, dukkha. Because that is what we don't want. When we breathe in, when, the, when we have anxiety, when we breathe in, what we experience is a pleasure, relief of anxiety. That gives a very peaceful, comfortable feeling. That is a pleasure. When the lungs are full, the tension we are, and, and as we breathe out, as the tension is released, we experience pleasure. Now you can see both pleasure and pain take place as we breathe in and breathe out. Only when we pay attention to the breath, mindfully, we can notice it. Then what happens when the pleasant sensation arises, we like it. When unpleasant sensation arises, we don't like it. Not that we deliberately like or dislike. We have no intention, no power, no strength, no way that we can like or dislike this. <laughs> that is very interesting. This is a built-in system. This just happens to our mind. When pleasant sensation arises, the mind naturally likes it. When unpleasant sensation arises, mind naturally dislikes it. When mind does not like something, mind always tries to reject it. When mind likes something, mind always tries to grab it, hold on to it. This natural phenomenon we can notice only when we pay mindful attention. Then we can see in the pleasant experience there is an underlying tendency of desire. In the unpleasant sensation, there is an underlying tendency of aversion. But when we develop mindfulness and pay mindful attention, we can see this 
underlying tendency of pleasant sense, underlying tendency of greed of the pleasant sensation, and we can see underlying tendency of aversion of unpleasant sensation. Now the trick is to keep the mind aloof from clinging to this pleasant sensation or trying to reject the unpleasant sensation. Only with mindfulness we can do that. The moment we become unmindful, we grab and hold, try to cling to this pleasant sensation. Or we try to reject the unpleasant sensation. However, when we train ourselves to be mindful, we can uh, develop pleasant sensation without greed. We can experience unpleasant sensation without hatred. We even can experience neutral sensation without any confusion. For instance, when we experience pleasant sensation, this is a very beautiful uh, insight we gain from paying attention to the pleasant sensation with mindfulness. That is, when pleasant sensation arises, we just pay attention to it. Simply stay with it without clinging, without grasping. Pay attention to it. Then what happens? Pleasant sensation will be replaced by unpleasant sensation. When unpleasant sensation arises, we keep paying attention to it without trying to reject it. Then the unpleasant sensation will be replaced by pleasant sensation. So these two take turns. Pleasantness and unpleasantness have an agreement. When I am here, you don't come. (laughs) I respect your independence. When you are there, I won't come. When we see this agreement between pleasantness and unpleasantness, because they always uh, don't arise together. When we see this nature, the mind develops another uh, another uh, uh, condition, another attitude, or another level of experience. 
that level of experience is to remain neutral, unbiased, unprejudiced, without judging, without uh, criticizing. Why? Because we see this agreement between these two. It is intrinsic to these two natures. For one not to arise when the other is there. When we say this, mind remains balanced, what is called equanimous. Because there is there's a, there's a continuous uh, battle, a struggle between pleasantness and unpleasantness. When we say this, the mind becomes very mature, insightful, strong to accept this reality. This is the reality. Nobody imposes it upon us. We don't intentionally do this. It just happens. Only when we have clung to something, later we realize, I am clinging. When we have rejected something, we realize that we have rejected. But the clinging and rejection takes place, happen to the mind by nature. The function of mindfulness is to see this very nature. And that's how we develop another level of experience, far superior to this clinging and grasping. So you can see within the same mechanism of impermanence, there is a possibility for us to develop insight. So the Buddha said, this is, this is where we see the Buddha's wisdom. Buddha said this body and mind, its feelings, perceptions, thoughts, and consciousness all exist for us to gain knowledge, awareness, wisdom, insight. That is the purpose of this body and mind, feeling, perceptions, thoughts, and consciousness. Our body exists for us to gain knowledge and awareness, for us to gain insight. What is the knowledge, awareness, insight we gain? This insight. That is, when certain things happen in the body, the mind either clings to it if it is pleasant, mind will reject it if it is unpleasant, that happens to the experience. So we gain this insight. When feeling arises, 
we see the same thing when the feeling is pleasant, unpleasant, the mind reacts the same way. When thought arises, if the thought happens to be pleasant, mind clings to it. When thought happens to be unpleasant, mind rejects it. So the purpose of the, the first uh, component of mindfulness is to pay total attention to, the, to what is happening to the body, feeling, perception, thought and consciousness. And at the same time, understand, gain insight into this reality. Normally, this is not what most of us do. Second component and a very important component of mindfulness is remembering memory. We normally, uh, most of the time, we cannot practice mindfulness because we don't remember. And therefore, we must remember when we became unmindful, we, become, we must uh, remember that we have become unmindful. Becoming, remembering that we have become unmindful itself is a practice of mindfulness. Only when we are unmindful, we do so many wrong things. Whenever we make, make, commit an offense, say something to offend someone, do something to offend somebody, and think of some thought which is detrimental to our peace, we do all these thoughts words and deeds only when we are unmindful. The moment we become mindful, we realize, gee, I have. It is silly. I thought this thought. It is so sad I said such and such. It is so foolish that I did such and such. Don't get upset. Don't <clears throat> blame yourself. Don't get angry when something like that happens. What one should do is to remember that one has been unmindful. Because of we were unmindful, we did something wrong, offensive. Now on, we must be mindful. I want to uh, tell you a very small story. Uh, just even though we do something wholesome, if we are not mindful, we can make the wholesome thing unwholesome. Our intention is to do something wholesome. And we do it unmindfully. Therefore, wholesome thing can become unwholesome. 
we may have a very good intention to do something very wholesome. And yet, if we are unmindful, good intention itself would not do something wholesome. We have to have a mindfulness. My story is very short. There was a, a Buddha advised people to observe the five precepts. I think we will have, unfortunately we don't have time to talk about all of them in detail. At least five precepts that we recited last night. Take the precept number one, abstaining from killing. People have a tremendous difficulty, problem in abstaining from killing. They come up with all kind of reasons, excuses to kill. They even say, suppose somebody comes to kill you, what are you going to do? Just stand and let him kill you? People say. So they justify even killing for self-defense. In Buddhist tradition, there is no excuse. Even the Buddhists kill, but they cannot justify their killing by saying, a Buddha said in such and such a place for such and such a reason you can kill. You can never find that kind of statement in Buddhism. Anyway, when these precepts were uh, administered one time, somebody said, well, this precept is extremely difficult to observe. People have to kill for one reason or another. But I will not kill for any reason. I abstain from killing. So he abstained from killing. And a few other people also came to know about it and joined him. So they made a company of not, killer, not killing. Society of non-violence. Then another group of people came and they said, gee, the first precept is not that difficult to observe. Second precept is even more difficult. Because people still, tiny, they go to office, you steal few pens. You know, companies, very rich, multi-million dollar company, one or two pens is nothing to them. You bring home some paper clips. You cheat income tax because the government is so rich, so you find a way to cheat income tax. Or at least we people can steal other people's ideas. So there is no way to avoid that. So this second group of people said, we observe that precept, we never steal anything. Then came the third group, abstaining from sexual misconduct. They said, that is even more difficult. All you need is a time, place, and person, right mood, you commit it. So they said, we don't commit it under no circumstance. We abstain from it. Fourth precept is telling lies. 
to abstain, we abstain from telling lies because fourth group said first, second, third precepts are easy to observe. The fourth precept is even more difficult. People lie for tiny little things just to save their face, to brag. White lies. They say occasionally it's okay to tell little lies just to save your face. And this group of people said that we don't tell lies for anything. We abstain from it. Then the fifth group came and they said fifth precept to abstain from taking intoxicating drinks that causes infatuation and heedlessness is even more difficult because people have to drink social drinking. When you go to a house, if somebody offers you a drink, if you reject it, he would say, no, no, come on, have a little drink. It's okay, follow the middle path. (laughs) Don't drink too much. (laughs) So their middle path is just a little bit of evil here, a little bit of good there and make a compromise (laughs) between good and evil. So they say, go ahead and have a little drink. It is very difficult. So the fifth group said, we observe that precept, we never drink, not a drop of alcohol. Now intention is very good. Because they want to practice, you know, even if they cannot practice all the precepts, they decided to practice one. I mean, if you cannot do all of them, at least one, you can observe. That's good. Better than nothing. So, what happened, whenever these five groups of people, their representatives, or one or two of these groups, met, they always had an argument. (laughs) They said, you observe the first place, try to observe mine. It's very difficult. You are observing easy one. I am observing difficult one. I am better than you. You are worse than me. <laughs> you know, this kind of bitter, you know, very silly, uh, trivial, petty arguments. And ended up in fight. So that went on for long. Now, see, the intention was very good. But the practice was not very good. So one day one of them thought, this is just silly. We all are adult, educated people, intelligent people. We are fighting over very silly things. Come on, let us do something. Let us go and see the Buddha. They all went to see the Buddha and told the Buddha what was happening, what they were observing. So Buddha said, you guys all are wonderful people. You at least try to observe one of these five difficult precepts. And unfortunately you fight. Therefore, I like to suggest that you undertake one more precept in addition to your precept that you observe, 
take one more precept. That precept is mindfulness. When you practice this with mindfulness, you will never fight. You will remember your intention. You will remember your practice. You will remember what has happened in the past when you uh, were unmindful. So, pure intention must always be followed by pure mindfulness. These two always must go together. Intention alone is not good enough. To couple with intention, we have to be mindful. What kind of mindfulness? Mindfulness with right attention. Friends, that's all time I have for a talk this morning. And I, I thank you very much for your patient listening.